Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. This week, we are discussing the Rocket Mortgage Classic taking place at the Detroit Golf Club, uh, the first time uh, a PGA event has been played at this course, which is, it is throwing the community for a loop, Drewby. People are, people are sort of tilting, not having the course information. <laughs> I, I think combo yeah just the content side of things I, I think it sets up fine for a DFS week I, I don't mind these weeks at all um, they're they're kind of fun in a way but yeah from a content provider standpoint it's you know you got to dig a little deeper one less thing you can lean on you can't just rattle off the course history you don't have any data for course fit so you got to probe a little bit more and I think people are just tilting having to do content for it more than anything world record number of mentions for Donald Ross this week on on golf podcasts every every golf podcast I've listened to every article I've pulled up has mentioned Donald Ross and uh, I guess an interesting thing for people looking up this corollary information the thing that made Donald Ross like famous and notable in the golf world was this dude designed like a world record number of courses like there are just a wild amount of courses that are Donald Ross designs. So that's sort of like, it's not like Pete Dye where Pete Dye just designed a bunch of really famous, uh, very specific style courses. Like Donald Ross just d- designed a bunch of them. I've heard he's only the second best Donald for a course designer though. I've heard that Donald Trump has designed the, the biggest courses, the longest courses, the hardest the courses in all of the best courses. Yeah, yeah. So I think that is I think that is something interesting to note if you're trying to do the the corollary this week is maybe maybe just Donald Ross course history not a great way to build your lineups. Quick Travelers Championship recap. Uh Chez Reeve shot 29 on the back nine on Saturday with eight birdies. Absolute pull away winner held off Keegan Bradley and uh, his fanboys there in Connecticut. Shez led the field in tee to green after finishing third in tee to green at the U.S. Open. Justin Thomas lost seven strokes gained putting. Uh, Jason Day probably would have won had he not lost strokes gained putting. Uh, very, very tilting week for me. My player pool was very good, but. Uh, Two guys I played bigly overweight missed the cut. Jason Kokrak first missed cut and who knows how long basically was minus six strokes gained putting through his first six holes. And then the Phil tilt box on Friday. I mean, that round. He was he was six over after three holes. I was I, I was not I was really not a happy camper Friday morning. Yeah, that Phil performance was pretty tilting because I had boosted him a little bit and it just ended up on some of my lineups that were like in the best possible place on Friday. Um, by the time Sunday rolled around, those lineups weren't quite as good anyways, but just for him to start out, be up there and basically an even par performance and, and he'd be playing on the weekend. And with all the birdies out of that course, that's what you were looking for. Um, I'd say in general, it, the, the field, perf- like the guys who finished up top performed solidly. A lot of the popular names that you would have expected up there, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, Ryan Moore, Kim Streelman, Tommy Fleetwood, all um, steady, maybe not spectacular performances, but um, with a hot putter, things could have flipped pretty easily. And, and like you said, Jason Day, I mean, if he finishes fifth in, the, in most fields, T to green, he's going to be very live on the weekend. But Revy, definitely a deserving winner. Good to see a follow-up performance off of his U.S. Open there. Uh, for me, for DFS, I was live on FanDuel again very late in the day on Sunday. Ended up finishing fifth in MME on that one. So a nice week on FanDuel. 
another losing week on DraftKings. I, I'm not sure at this point. It, it feels like there might be something there. Maybe it's just variance. Maybe it's something about the game setup. But obviously, with the softer pricing on FanDuel, you don't have to play quite as many bad players in your lineups. And so uh, maybe that has something to do with it as well. But it was close there. If Keegan had uh, had pulled off the miraculous comeback, I think I would have finished in first or second. So it was a, it was a fun sweat Sunday. Nothing spectacular as far as the results, but can't complain about a top five. I finally, I finally actually turned a pretty solid profit in week-long golf on DraftKings last week because the, the projections like Shez. I don't even remember liking Shez in my runs. Like, I don't think I boosted him or did anything to his projection or his ownership, but Data Golf had me at, like, 25% Shez, even though a decent number of those teams ended up with Kokrak or Phil on them. Like, I had some five to sixes make money the last week which probably flipped it for me in terms of profiting or losing money. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I boosted Chess a little bit, but um, maybe the ownership cap and shuffle brought some of that into play as well and just the overall roster construction that you might well, have. Well, I also, I also X a lot of guys, and I don't yeah. think that you are – I don't think that you're big on Xing guys out of your player pool, so that was probably the difference. So, But this, into this the – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, this week with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, I'm a little disappointed because this is typically played right down the road from my house. So it's usually the, the one chance I get to watch live PGA Tour golf. And it, it's, it's not in Potomac, Maryland anymore. It's moving to Detroit. So we got a course we don't know anything about, and I don't get to, to take a day off and, and go catch some of my favorite players live. Going to watch live golf, if, if you are, like, actually into golf and you've never gone to a round before, like, it, it – it's seriously amazing. Like, I would really recommend it to everyone who listens. Like, if you're within four hours of a tournament, you should go, like, even on a Thursday or Friday. Yeah, especially if you're into the DFS stuff, because you can go on a Thursday or Friday. You can follow around some of the guys that, you know, we're big fans of in DFS that aren't the biggest names on tour. And, and you know, you might be one of 10 or 15 people who are following them. So you can get a lot closer there. You can watch some pretty good golf. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's just like a laid-back atmosphere to have some, some cocktails outside as well. Yeah. All right, so the Rocket Mortgage Classic being played at the Detroit Golf Club. They lengthened the course for their first time hosting a PGA Tour event. Per the reports that I've, I've sort of read is I think it normally plays around 7,000 yards from the, from the championship tees, and they moved it. They've, they've adjusted things, so it's 7,340 yards. There are four par fours, so it's a par 72. Two of the par fives are – I said par fours, I meant par fives. But two of the par fives are super gettable. One of the par fives has water in front, so if you're playing showdown golf, that's going to be the tilt hole because you're going to have guys who are in the middle of a good round, and they're going to try and go for the green, and they're going to end up short and uh, just sort of uh, bunted in the water you're going to tilt. Donald Ross designed this course. He's designed some other courses that they play on the PGA Tour, Eastlake and Sedgefield. Those play as par 70s. Pretty much every golfer who's hit the ground at this event already and has talked to the media has said that it's super easy. Brian Stewart said that he expected right around 20 under to be uh, a possible winning score. Adam Spenson said, pure ball strikers course, not a ton of trouble. My guess, Drewby, is that this course plays really easy during the year because it's a public golf or like a recreational course. And my guess is their defense is they probably just let the rough grow for the last two weeks. while it's been super rainy in the Midwest. 
yeah, there, I mean, there's not a lot of trouble. So that, that's one of the first things I was looking at with the course map was just if, if guys hit bad shots, what's the kind of bottom outcome? And it doesn't seem like there are a ton of penalty strokes to be had. So um, I, I agree with you. It's going to play very easy. The winning scores are going to be low. And despite the quality of the field, still expect them to be low. Um, middle of the road as far as par adjusted distance, similar in distance to the Memorial as far as one of the more recent courses but way, way less trouble there and, and way less challenging setup. So I, I think you're kind of spot on. Um, some of the, the other courses like Sedgefield, like the winning scores at those have ranged from minus 15 to minus 20, and that's a par 70. So uh, I, I think it's going to play easy. There's going to be a ton of birdies. You're going to need to get six golfers through to the weekend to compete. Um, yeah, I expect six of six to be very high this week. Well, I, I don't know if like the six to six percentages will be just because it's going to depend how the chalk does. And if people load up on DJ, for example, you're automatically making teams that are worse to get six to six just because of that. But uh, just there's going to be so many birdies that if you want to compete in a tournament, you're going to you're going to have to have them. Yeah, uh, I don't have any other big thoughts on the course. I guess the, the things that I'm targeting this week, uh, strokes gained approach. That's going to be the number one thing. And then controversial take, and I'm ready for you to berate me on this. I, I'm looking at strokes gained putting this week, and I'm going to be probably negative boosting guys like Benny Ann and Luke List, who just like for real can't make eight-foot butts, and probably boosting some guys with like who gain strokes over 80 rounds or whatever. Like Michael Thompson is a good example of a guy who I'll probably boost over the data golf baseline because I do expect some putting skill to come and play this week. Oh, I mean, putting skill comes into play every week. Great. Um, it's just a matter of what kind of interval people are looking at when they're talking about whether or not someone's good or bad at putting. And how, I mean, you want to look at a large sample as far as dictating the putting skill. So I think you mentioned 80, like I, I think you could look at like 150 rounds or like two years worth of data to determine who's a good putter or a poor putter. Um, if you wanted, I, I do think generally as far as what drives deviation in scoring when courses play tough, the strokes gain T to green drives more of a deviation in scoring. And when the courses play easy, the strokes gain putting does, um, as far as compared to like the neutral course setup. So I do think that um, that makes sense. Putting might matter slightly more um, as far as the course setup here than it would at the US Open, for example. But um, I think that it's, it's just another kind of factor in there. Um, so like with Luke List, I could see more weight to that than I could with Benny on. Um, I, think, I think I'm just straight up not playing Luke List this week, even though I, I think DG will like him. DG will try and give them. Uh, like if you run 150 with like unaltered anything, he'll probably come in at like 18% would be my guess. Yeah. I'm and I guess the, the other thing is just the, the lack of field depth. The field's terrible this week. It's a, uh, um, you know, a better version of a web.com event that the top end you have DJ there, you have Woodland Hideki, but in Fowler, but there's not much else and the, the depth of the field isn't very strong. So in those fields, I always, feel like there might be more to I don't know like with with guys that aren't world-class players that there might be more to leaning on like current form or course fit type analysis than there would be yeah. if you trying to tease out like the top 20 players in the world yeah I mean we're looking at a lot I'm playing a lot of guys this week who are outside the top 100 best golfers in the world because a lot of guys either are not playing this week or they're already over in the United Kingdom playing the Valderrama and getting ready for the British Open. 
So I've got a new segment for you this week, Davis. A uh, little bit of a throwback, but a new segment here. The hot or not segment. You're going to have you buy or sell the hottest players on tour that are in the field this week. Got two sections to these. One is just hot players who are playing well all around. And then the other is specifically relative to their baseline who is performing the best. So I'm going to, going to get your takes on some of these players um, as far as whether you are buying, whether or not hot or not. So the, the first player defending or not defending the, the champion last week, Chez Reeve comes in with an 18th place finish, 14th miscut, and then third at the U S open and first last week. Are you buying Chez Reeve as hot or not? I am not buying Ches Reeve. I can't imagine he will end up in very many of my lineups this week because he's super expensive. And we have DJ Woodland and Deckybot. Uh, so I, I just don't, I can't imagine he'll make a ton of my roster construction. So I, I'm not buying Ches. Okay. I think I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to go, I'm going to buy Ches. Uh, the performances have been driven by really strong T to green play. Seems like the type of course that if he hadn't won last week that we'd be interested in him for. The price uptick is a little bit frustrating, but it also is going to keep the ownership down um, from where it would have been otherwise. And people typically don't like to play players off of a win. So I'm going to buy Chez and hope it's a contrarian angle. Um, Do you think of Chez as like a good par five scorer though? I, I mean... Not, I don't think of that necessarily as his strength, as but being, of course, like it, yeah. minus 15 to minus 20 is going to win. It, I mean, it seems like you're going to have to score on all the par fours as well. Yeah. Oh, I guess another interesting note that I should make about this course is the, the par fours are split in a really interesting way. Half of them are shorter than 400 yards, and then the other half are, are 450 or greater. I thought I thought I just thought that was like an interesting wrinkle for how a golf course can be made. Like it, it's it, it that just seems sort of interesting to me. I don't know if there's like a way to incorporate that into building lineups, but I thought it was an interesting note. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, in in theory, the potentially you have guys who could like if it got really extreme, it would set up for bombers because the bombers could potentially drive the shorter ones and also have an advantage on the longer ones um, if they got short enough. If they were just like. 370 or something like that then the advantage probably isn't there quite as much and maybe it's a neutral wash uh, so hot or not uh dustin johnson coming into the field this week with a second place finish 28th second place finish 20th and the 35th i am in i'm definitely in no just like no, no question i will be playing a big chunk of him kevin streelman 6 45 31 4 15 last week uh, in big, bigly in on Streelman. Streelman might end up, depending on what his ownership projection comes at, he might end up being my biggest stance. I think Hideki Matsuyama with a, a 31st, 23rd, 16th, 6th, and 21st. Um, so like in at the in at his ownership projection, in at his projected points, but I imagine that I probably will end up underweight relative to the field because I will have so many DJ lineups. Like I think it will be hard to play two like a bunch of Hideki DJ lineups. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Rory Sabatini, 18, 5, 6, 27, 43, his last five. Um in tentatively, but I'm not going to like make a ton of effort to adjust his projection. I'm not going to limit him or X him, but like, it, I, I just think he's fine. I think he's projected fine. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I like like Sabatini a, a bit, but no hot takes on him. The other guys I think are more interesting relative to their tort or to their baseline. The guys who are performing best um, over the the past five events, and this list is some names that you might not be expecting to hear. So I'm gonna go through all five and see if you have any hot takes on either room. You have Max Homa, Jason Duffner, Sebastian Munoz, Cameron Tregali, and Vaughn Taylor. In on Homa, in on Duffner, out on Munoz, out on Tringali, definitely in on Vaughn Taylor. Yeah. I, I like, think I'm out on Homa, Munoz. I'm on the fence with Tringali just because I feel like his putter can get so hot. If it's a course that does favor off the tee play, then he's kind of drawing dead there. But if it favors the, the putter and you don't need the off the tee play, it's a second shot course and he can definitely be live. Um, Duffner, I feel like is overpriced on DK this week. I would say I'm buying the recent performance just because from the conversations I had had with his agent that I know they were going through some big swing change stuff that they were expecting to take six months to come to fruition. And it seems like it started to pay off a little bit. So I, I think I'm buying the trend, but still feel like he's a little bit overpriced on DK. And I was really surprised to see people betting him at like 50 to one this week. He's being like legit touted because of, I think he's done well on Donald Ross courses before and people are just, people are so in on like 150 to 200 yard iron play this week. And when Duffner is playing really well, that's like his total, that's his strength. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's get into the DK Brett price range then. Uh, I mean, Dustin Johnson is $800 more expensive than everyone else in the field. He has like way more win equity than everyone in the field. He is 37% to top five per day to golf. He is, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever, this is like RBC Canadian open where everyone else good skips sort of stuff from DJ. He's six to one to win on the FanDuel and DraftKings sports books. Like I, I think that this is like sort of an interesting week to ponder the lock button on him. Yeah, it is definitely an interesting week. The price, I think, is steeper than it has been previously, um, even at event setups like the RBC Canadian Open. So it, it does gut the rest of your DK roster. And one of the interesting things that I was playing around with with the settings on our optimizer is um, you can set a restriction as far as the top 20 odds that you want all your players in your pool to have. And if you cut it off at like 20% to T20, you get almost no DJ this week. Um, but if you open up the filter and let everyone fly, then then DJ is a massive value. So that's one of the things that I was tinkering with. And I think that's one of the interesting things because you really do want all your guys to have uh, realistic top 20 probabilities, especially in a week where there's going to be tons of DK scoring. So um, I'm going to have a lot of exposure to DJ, but I think that's going to keep me from lock buttoning him. And I probably won't let DJ decide my week one way or the other. I will probably use a rule where it will be max one DJ, Gary, Hideki, Fowler, Shez, so that I don't end up with a ton of those lineups where I have like two guys at 6.4K or whatever. Yeah, I, I was thinking about setting up my rule um, a little bit different than that, but kind of taking the opposite approach. Uh, it might end up the same result, but on FanDuel, the stars and scrubs builds end up being a lot more optimal um, because, yeah. or at face value as far as the projections because of the soft nature of the pricing. But because the second place finisher and fifth place finisher receive the same amount of place points, 
the separation and scoring doesn't always matter um, quite as much between those guys. And so uh, I've found that unless you get the random guys, random value guys who are popping into the top 10, that sometimes the the super studs and duds in the largest field MME doesn't work. So I'll probably set that up for like the value plays that I want in the pool just to make sure I'm at most getting one guy that um, is like 15% to T20 or something like that. I will probably just use the shuffle for that. And then if there is like, so if there's a, a guy below 7K, I haven't ran through like a ton of lineups yet because the ownership projections aren't final. But uh, I would guess what I'll do is if there's guys under 7K who are popping in like 18% of lineups or whatever, I will probably just limit those guys. Like I'll probably just put a 10% ownership cap on everyone below 7,000. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Fowler is going to be a guy that I wait for ownership to firm up on before making a decision. Uh, there, there's a, a gap in the price, but him being at 11.2 K in this field definitely seems like it's steep and makes me wonder whether or not they baked in like previous performance at Quicken Loans into his price tag. Um, Fowler has been on a downswing relative to his personal baseline. He carries that premium price. Uh, the floor on DJ is is much higher. The ceiling is obviously equally high, and both guys are capable of winning the event. But at this point, um, at like twenty percent ownership for Fowler versus you know twenty five to thirty for DJ, I think I'd rather just take DJ and more lineups there. Gary Woodland, um, I, I like Gary this week. The price tag again has me a, a little bit sour on him because the ownership projection is high. If he ends up at like ten to twelve percent owned, that's where I start to become pretty interested. In Woodland, if it's 18 to 20, I think I'm probably off. Um, and then Hideki Matsuyama. Would be, is that Woodland's going to be closest to the lowest owned of the expensive guys? I think it will be DJ, Hideki, Ricky, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, I think DJ and Decky seem like the, the easy picks right now yeah. as far as the popular ones. Yeah. So the next range of guys, this is where you can tell that the, uh, that the field is not super strong because – in the 9,000s, we have Brant, we have Shez, we have Ryan Moore, Patrick Reed, Kevin Kisner, and Billy Horschel. Uh, I will not be – like, I think one of these guys makes my player pool probably, honestly. Yes, I mean, Chez is definitely going to make my player pool. Um, I, I hope a lot of people are off of him just because he won, right? It's one of the few DFS sports where – players are penalized for having a good performance for, for having. Yeah. If he had actually finished third, his ownership percentage would be higher. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like Ryan Moore, Kevin Kisner, Patrick Reed a little bit for leverage um, just because those are the types of players that it, I think are easy to bypass and uh, are going to be, you know, I think that the, the start with Hideki DJ is going to be very popular those are players that are easier to bypass. And so in MME, I think they can provide leverage. I think also if you're focusing on teams that optimize the ability to get all six guys through the cut, that starting with with this range like Revy um, can be a natural place to start. So might have a little bit more exposure to the range than you. Um, still not sure if I'll have any SNEDs. Um, trying to figure out the course fit a little bit. He does seem like he's going to be extremely low owned, probably the lowest owned guy above $9,000 definitely is overpriced. Um, but I, I think I'd put him at like 15th in the field. So I'm, I'm higher on him than the data golf default model is. I'm just not interested in playing Kisner. I'm not interested in playing Horschel when he's chalk, like more and more and Reedy seem like good plays to me here, but Reed Kisner Horschel, not real interested. 
at all. Okay. Next range of guys. These are all guys that I do think like this is where a big chunk of my player pool is going to come from. Sung Jay play, Joaquin Neiman play, Bubba Watson play, Shreelman play, Sabatini play, giving Hovland a big boost in the data golf stuff. We'll be back on Coke Rack. We'll definitely play some wise, but probably limit him a little bit compared to what the data golf projection is. And then, um, like, then the, the, you know, Tway and Harmon, whatever. Not interested in Harmon. Probably a little bit of interest in Tway. Yeah, I'm not super interested in Tway or Harmon. Uh, agree. Like, Sanjay, Sabatini, Streelman seem like the, the kind of easy, safe plays for me. Um, Bubba is really interesting. You don't know whether it's a bubble course or not. Until I will say a lot. It. A lot of his wins have come at easy setups. Um, he never really does well at the hard events, uh, the majors that are like the U.S. Open type majors or the Open Championship type majors with either bad conditions or really tough setups. Most of his winning scores on tour have been in that minus 14 to minus 16 range where we think it could fall this week. So um, I don't know if it's above course, but but I'm pretty interested in the way that it could set up. And he, he, he played pretty decent last week, but just tilted it off on Sunday. I think he was plus one on Sunday when everyone else was like minus five. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in a good position going into Sunday either, but he, he didn't um, didn't make it up, that's for sure. Yeah, I think on, on Friday he was like T8 or something. Like he had had a good Thursday and Friday. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he lost it on the weekend for sure. Yeah. Which is like whatever. I mean, when you, when you get Bubba through the cut – uh, it, like honestly, sometimes it just has to feel like a victory because you're just are so worried about him tilting it off when you play him. Yeah, I'd, I'd say like even the bad round on Sunday, um, like FanDuel has that uh, five birdie bonus, and like Bubba feels like when any time he's playing around, he's getting that five birdie bonus. It's just a question of whether or not he gives it, it back. So yeah, it's just like is he going to make a triple? Is he hitting it in the water? Is he just like whining to his caddy about something? That's what he does. So you have, you have thought you have thoughts on Hovland. Do you want to, do you want to contradict my right now? I have Hovland in my runs at a plus seven boost on data golf. Yeah. I, he led the field in strokes gained off the tee last week after finishing at the top of the field at the U S open in the same metric. Uh, definitely a, a bomber uh, and doing it very consistently. Uh, I think he can DK score and you're that's, that's kind of a lock. If he makes a cut, you're going to be generating a lot of DK points always going to be a great showdown type player because of that. Uh, still not sold on the rest of his game. It seems like the the rest of the TD Green metrics weren't very strong. The putter's been shaky. He's now at 8,400. You're starting to get to the point where, like, I don't know, if a guy is 7K, DK scoring alone can pay off his price tag. When you're hitting the mid-8s, it starts to get to the point where you need more than that. You're going to need the place points as well. Um I think the ownership is going to be a little bit too high. I kind of agree with boosting the baseline projection, uh, but well, he just has like no sample size compared to everyone else in his range. Like if you just look at his like little bars or whatever on data golf, they just have so few measured rounds for him compared to the other guys. Yeah. So I like, I, I agree that there's upside to the projection, um, but the price is now climbed to a point where I, I feel like, you kind of know what you're getting with Bubba, whereas you're getting the, the question mark with Hoffman. So 7K, I am, I'm going to negative boost Benny Ann a little bit. I guess, neg- like, I'm just subtracting from him. Yeah. I'm so tilted by his putting. Like, it's just, it's really putting me on tilt. So, so this kicks off the start of our next segment, the ah shit, here we go again segment. So yeah. 
Wanted your takes on five guys that I think we've all played a good amount of over the past dozen or so events to varying degrees of success. So Ben on was the first one. It sounds like you're, are you out or you're just going to cap your ownership? Capping ownership. I can't be, I can't be totally out because Benny Ann's like the secret sauce of his game is gaining mad strokes, T to green versus bad fields. And like, you, you don't want to, you don't want to be out the week. He, he makes 15, eight footers or whatever. Cause then you're just, you're on suicide watch. Yeah. So I, I put together a model that actually rated putting at 35% as far as the stats over the last 150 rounds but then looked shorter at the tee to green play. So like 50 rounds there. And he was 149th in the field and strokes and putting over that period of time, even weighting that at 35% still has him as a top 40 player in this yeah. field. So that price tag, um, I mean, it's, it's cheap, right? And you know that some of the fantasy scoring will be there. I think it would be a bad decision to X him out this week. So I'll be back in. Um, I'm always going to throw some shuffle in there and he's not, a supreme value compared to these other guys priced right around him. So uh, I'm going to be in on, in on, on, but I'm not going to have like 40% or 50% exposure to him. Um, which is what, which is what like an unadulterated run would give you. The, the next, the next, ah, shit, here we go again, Aaron wise. I mean, wise has actually done more to hurt me this year than any other golfer on tour, but I, I am definitely, I'm definitely locking and loading. Like I, I, I won't, not going to go 49% or whatever it was that one crazy week when he was like the eighth best value in the field, but I'll, I'll have him in 33% or whatever, probably. Cause it seems like a good course for him to score on. I think I'm out, man. Um, the price is elevated. I like some of the other guys just above him more. The, the results haven't been there. I was tilting it off when I saw him up there at the U S yeah, open. The US open. Oh man. I was so pissed. I think I'm out. I'd rather take the discount for some of these other guys. Next guy, I'll loop two guys together. Luke List, Keith Mitchell. List, I'm out. You're fired. Ageism? Just, just X, bro. Just not – Luke List is old. And, I, I mean, you know, I'll guarantee at some point this week I'm going to tilt because he's going to eagle one of the par fives. He's going to stick it to, like, four feet on one of the par fives and knock in the eagle, and I'm going to tilt it. But uh, I, I'm fine playing List showdown only. <laughs> what about Killer Keith? Killer Keith, I mean, I think I think Keith is actually just a better player than Luke List. I actually think Keith has a, a good long future on the PGA Tour. Yeah, um, I'm I'm lower on those guys in projections, but I'm going to be back in on them this week. Just not as core building block players for me. Um, and then the last guy, I don't know if you've been playing this guy or not, but but I have, and I gotta I gotta jump off this train before I bleed more money down it. So Scam Smith uh, usually sets up well on. Uh, one of my one of my first X's every single week is Cam Smith. You've been winning there. So yeah, I'm I'm out on Cam Smith this week. Yeah. Yeah. Not zero percent interested. There are some other guys in this range who will make my player pool. Watney, Taylor, Kang, Laird, Malnati, Collie. And then I guess guess how many boosts I had to give Matthew Wolf to get him into my player pool? Just like take a take a guess on how many I had to get to get into a, a positive enough value to make my runs. Well, you get like a 10 boost on him? Plus 18 for Matthew Wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's a heavy boost. Um, that, dude, honestly, that dude scores. Like he's not, he's definitely not as good as Hovland, but he pushes it out even further than Hovland does. 
Just a little, he just sprays it more, right? Yeah, he just, he, he's like, uh, I mean, there's been a hundred guys like this on tour, you know, Charlie Beljan or whatever. Dudes who can hit it 340, but have no idea if it's going left, right, or straight. But I, I just think uh, on a course that seems like it's going to play pretty easy and that there's going to be um, some longer holes that present scoring opportunities, he seems pretty good to me. So wouldn't, wouldn't you rather just play like Cam Champ at that point? Because I feel like Wolf's price tag at 7,500. Oh, it's absurd. It's absurd, and even if you're playing the pure, it sounds like you're playing the pure bomber angle. But if you're playing that angle, like isn't Cam Champ a good play? And can't you just save seven hundred dollars and get a guy that uh, has a larger sample of data to work with, and still is going to be sub five percent projected ownership? Um, if I was playing like intelligently, yeah. But like I, I, so I think the thing about Wolf this week is he was actually like a little chalky last week. I think he got up to like ten percent in some contests. This, I, I, yeah, that that will not be the case this week. He'll be like he'll be like two percent and stuff this week. My guess would be. Yeah. Um, Charles Howell III, I think, is my favorite play of like the entire seven K range. Just even relative to um, yeah, Ben on and. You know, Keith Mitchell, Charlie Hoffman, Luke List, all those guys in that range. I think Howell has more balance to his game, so I feel like the floor is more steady. I think his upside is just as high as those guys. Not the guy that you typically expect to win the event, but certainly wouldn't be surprising to see him as the first-round leader finishing inside the top 10 this week. Um, and I just I feel like you kind of have the same ceiling with a, a safer floor just because like, he'll, he'll be fine in any course setup, really. Yep. I think he's a, he's a core part of the player pool this week. I just think he'll make a lot of those DJ lineups work. Yeah. The other thing I just would comment on this range in general is um, it's clustered. Like, yeah, there's so many guys here who are good plays. So if, if you're just running things on an optimizer, like the guys who are projecting 0.2 points above are just going to get jammed into a bunch more lineups. But if you're thinking about it from a probability perspective, as far as their top 20 odds, most of these guys are 20 to 22% to T20, maybe 18%. That includes guys like HV3, Siwoo Kim, Michael Thompson, uh, Max Homa, Corey Connors. So there's tons of these guys that all have um, very little to separate them. It is a week where I think you could use current form to separate them a little bit if you wanted to. I'm not quite as comfortable trying to, do it like heavily on course fit just because it's an unknown. Um, and I, I think that with any of these guys, I'm not going to want to take more than like 15 or 20% ownership on, on any of them. And I definitely think that ownership like projected ownership and being able to separate them that way is a, a good way to go for MME builds. Yeah. All. So the couple of guys you just mentioned, HV3, Siwoo Kim, Danny Lee, Michael Thompson, all of those guys are going to get like a plus one or plus two boost for me because I like them sort of more than the rest of this range. And I'm not trying to play every dude from this range. Like I'm not trying to get Steven Yeager, Wyndham Clark, Peter Uline, Austin Cook, Brandon Steele. I'm not trying to have one lineup with all those guys. Like some of them I'm just going to not play. Yeah. And then I think there's some value in the sub 7K range as well. Not guys that um, I want to anchor on in a bunch of lineups, but talked a little bit about Cam Champ. Like the $6,800 price is one where DK scoring alone could make it pay off if, if he's playing the weekend and making birdies on some of these holes. And I think it's, you know, the, the kind of flavor has already passed on people. So um, I don't expect him to be more than 2% owned and he could fit well with like a DJ build, even in a, a single entry type format. 
Yeah, there are some 7K guys like uh, that I like. JT Poston is one of them. Andrew Landry, I think, is sort of a, a decent play. Uh, Adam Shank, my boy, he is 6,600. He's going to make some runs. Scott Stalling, I think, is okay. If you really want to, if you really want to punt, um, Denny McCarthy, I think, I think he should be okay if this does end up being like a putting fest. Carlos Ortiz will probably make some runs. And then, you know, uh, the ageless wonder, Stuart Sink, would be another one. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, in general, I think I'm going to be probably sticking to FanDuel for enemy this week. Uh, I think the recent results that I've had there just make that the preferred site to play on. Uh, the other piece is just the field size over there is smaller and the payout structures are a little bit flatter. So I definitely think that has played out as well, where I'm not always needing a top end finish in, in order to turn a profit, even in the largest field MME events that they have there. So um, I would definitely encourage you if you've been using our projections, if you've been DK only, uh, perhaps a good opportunity to check out some of the contests elsewhere and focus on stuff that has a smaller field, a little bit more attainable to, to win. Yeah. All right, are we ready to talk about betting? Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's thin. It's real thin this week? <laughs> it is definitely definitely thin. Um, I, it does feel like, uh, obviously, you have DJ in the field, so that's that's the albatross. You know, you got to find... <laughs> Parlay him with your favorite baseball game this week. But, uh, but we don't have much betting value on Dustin Johnson this week. Um, in any I, I think anytime there is even a slight amount of EV on the guy who's that much of a favorite, though, it's like a good bet. You and I both did this with Rory at the Canadian Open. It was like a, a thin amount of EV, and we both bet it, and we didn't bet. Like, I, don't, I didn't bet any other longer guys that week, and I don't think you did either. Yeah, I bet a couple that week, but um, I think he was like 12 to 20%, uh, and DJ this week is neutral, so it kind of depends. David Golf makes him plus 600 so if you can get a price better than that, then they would have that as value. If the the price is neutral, so if you're just looking to gamble a little bit, you're not really getting a bad price there uh, per the data golf work. So definitely a, a fair gamble if you just want the, the sweat and the entertainment value, a guy that should be live, um, worst case, kind of all four days, but not the best value. I would say if, if the top end fails, there's definitely reasons to, I guess, throw question marks into the guys yeah, there, behind them. There's two darts I like. So, like, I mean, Hideki, you could you could say his putter's going to have to stay hot for him to contend in, in an event that could be minus 20 for the winning score. Gary Woodland, you could rule out because of the media circus following the U.S. Open win. Ches Revi can poke a hole if you believe that was a life-changing win to him. And then you're talking about, you know, Fowler and, and a bunch of Streelmans and Sabatinis that don't exactly feel threatening. So, if you don't think DJ is going to win, then... I think that's where some of the longer shots could potentially come into play. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some big prices depending where you're looking at, at FanDuel, you can get plus 420 on guys like Bryce Garnett plus 250 on bet365 for somebody like Denny McCarthy and then Sun King at 90 to one on FanDuel Sportsbook. All of those are plus EV bets per the data golf um, outright model. Yeah. I'm going half, I'm going half unit Thompson, Kang and Denny. Yeah. Those so are the, um, those are the darts I like. The other thing, Data Golf rolled out the first round leader version of the betting model. So oh, that's yeah. at Daily Road. It was Rogo. a slam dunk week one. And yeah, Bronson Bergoon uh, was in there. Ryan Armour was another guy that I bet. So a couple of things about the model um, 
and then we can go through some of the, the potential selections on FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, but the model is using the adjusted scoring average of these players to come up with their ability to finish as the first round leader in a single round. And that's a nice edge to have when you're comparing it against betting lines, but it's not taking into account anything related to tee time splits. So if you are using the model and you look at the weather and you see that the conditions are going to be ripe for scoring on Thursday morning, but perhaps windy and challenging on Thursday afternoon, then the model's not going to have that baked in. So I think you can still use the model to guide it, but you're going to want to boost the guys with the, you know, advantage tee times a little bit above the defaults. And that's kind of what led me not just on Burgoon, but on Ryan Armour last week at 151 and 200 to one respectively ended up being a six way chop. But the guy that you mentioned, I'm, I'm not sure what his EV is in the outright market, but Michael Thompson is actually flashing as a potential first round leader option at 120 to one on FanDuel. Data golf makes him 97 to one there. Yeah, that is uh that's one that is worth betting. I think another one that I would bet would be Killa Keith, 60 to one. Yeah. And then the last thing is you should always shop around for the best prices. Um, I've been seeing a lot more differentiation in the legal U S sports books, as far as the prices available for different guys. So the Michael Thompson example that you were talking through, he's only 120 to one on FanDuel sports book, but he is 175 to one on DraftKings sports book. So a really big price over on DK, a really nice price over on DK and not quite as good of a price. Still plus EVN FanDuel, but it's kind of a, a smidge to the point where you're not really betting that much on it. So if you are going to be betting sports, it definitely try to make sure you have multiple outs and try to shop around for the best price because there's some more, I guess, more differentiation between the U.S. sports books than I had been previously seeing. Well, they don't copy their lines from other books. Well, like they're that. copying them. They're just copying them from different places, I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, all right, one and done. This is the start of the fourth segment, right? Is that right? Yeah, I am I am pretty sure that that is accurate. Let me check on Gup's Corner real quick. But if I am right, I'm just using DJ this week? <laughs> yeah, I – so DJ, it's kind of the same conversation whenever you get into these fields. It was like Rory, RBC Canadian. Um, the prize pool is not as big. So if, if he wins here and he wins the Open Championship, obviously you're going to be falling behind those guys. But as far as just calculating with the win probability as the expected return and the, the prize structure, then DJ is probably a good pick this week just given the, the total lack of depth in the field. Um, I've used Dustin Johnson, so I unfortunately can't go back. This is, this is the last event of segment three. I was wrong. Okay. So, so you're probably going to want to punt a little bit then. I mean, I, 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 am, I am drawing to segment four to make my money back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking like – I'm taking Max Homa this week or whatever. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to take Michael Thompson this week probably since <laughs> I have that – since I have the outright in the first-round leader. Yeah. I would say generally I'm never going to go outside the top um, 50 or 60 players in the world. It must just, be nice, Ruby. It must be nice to be drawing live. Um, but I, I think – so I, for the teams that didn't use Bubba last week, I think I'd potentially be considering Bubba. Um, I think it would be an interesting play to go back with Ches Reevy. You're Because in segment three, you're going to be drawing behind and people used him in both the U.S. Open and at last week's event. So if you're able to – capture a good finish from him again this week it could potentially be a way to make up some ground um but I, I think Ricky Fowler would be 
the guy that I would be more interested in using than DJ just because I've burned DJ at some of the big events. And um, yeah. I feel like you need to stay towards the top end of this field and then just figure out the other weeks where there's more depth elsewhere. I, I actually think an interesting one to use this week, I assume a lot of the leaders have probably already used Gary Woodland, but if you're in the mix and you're looking for to not take the mega chalk, I don't think Woodland will be particularly popular this week amongst competing teams. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, I think that is going to do it. Uh, we just gave we gave the people about fifty minutes on uh, on the Rocket Mortgage Classic at uh, the Detroit Golf Club. Grinding it, man. Who said it was a bad week for content? Not us. Not us. We 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 touted we touted the Rocket Mortgage Rocket Mortgage Classic is one of the deserves a full breakdown. Yeah. Well, uh, everyone, lock DJ, turn the shuffle up, max ownership 76%, max salary constraints 49.9K, and, uh, and print with those settings. Good luck.